Welcome to Soaring the Sky, Glider Pilots Podcast. My name is Chuck. I will be your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 51. This episode is brought to you by Arizona Soaring Incorporated, the nation's largest provider of professional glider training. Since 1969, they provided training from initial private through CFI glider and entry level through advanced aerobatics. Open year-round, seven days a week. More information is available at azsoaring.com. Today we talk to lady aviator Ines Engelhardt near Berlin, Germany. She started flying gliders in 1992 at the age of 22. In 1996, she flew her first competition and since then she has competed in many world competitions all over the globe and has recently just returned from Lake Keepit, Australia, where she flew in the 2020 Women's World Gliding Championship. Today, she shares with us her aviation journey and what it's like flying in a world competition with extreme temperatures, strong thermals, and big sink. Join us now for this exciting episode on Soaring the Sky. Ina Singleheart, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Excited to have you today. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm fine. Thanks. <laughs> Great. Where are you flying out of? I'm flying in Brandenburg. That's a small town near Berlin. Berlin is the capital of Germany, you know. Yes, absolutely. I fly usually LS1F. It's my own glider. Um, I'm a pilot flying often competitions in club class. And my plans for the next year is to change the class to standard class to try this one. Oh, okay. When did your aviation journey begin? Oh, it began, I was 22 years old, and at that time I worked for British Airways as a check-in assistant, and I thought maybe it's a better job in the cockpit, not at the airport, and so I decided to become a pilot for civil aviation. This was my plan. <laughs> actually. And then I taught that my father and my father, he had a colleague at that time. And the colleague was a glider pilot. And then he gave me his number and I called the um, glider pilot. Well, and he said, come on to our airfield. I show you around. And okay, I really liked what I saw then. <laughs> And I had my first flight in a glider, and I really enjoyed it. And so I decided to become a glider pilot. Very nice. So, so how did that journey go? <laughs> well, in the Lufthansa um, papers, they said you have to have an A-level. It's called Abitur in Germany. It's a degree to go to the uh, university. And I haven't had that at that time. And so I went to school, to Edward High School again, to make these A-levels. And um, so I have time for flying at the weekend. And um, during that time, I <laughs> met my um, husband. We're still married. 
and I fell in love with him and so I decided well to be a pilot for civil aviation I have to go to the States for the practice lessons for longer term about half a year I and I didn't want to do that <laughs> and so <Right. laughs> I let the plan go and I switched my plans and then I decided to become a teacher. Oh, very nice. <laughs> now, did you continue to fly gliders? Yes, I did because I fell in love with flying a glider as well and I enjoyed it really much and after three years I did my um, pilot license and then immediately I started with the cross-country flying and this is what I really enjoyed. Cross-country, yes, and I did it <laughs> uh, over a lot of years till now. Now, the cross-country, that kind of got you into flying competitions, right? Can you tell me about that? Yes, yeah. Because I started with the cross-country and I did my f uh, first experience, you know, um, find the good terminals and how to be uh, how to get faster and faster for tasks you made before and my husband he was a glider pilot and he uh, flies competition as well and first I started as a crew for him and then I decided let try it again try it also <laughs> What was your first competition? My first competition was in 1996. It was in a double-seater and um, the other pilot was um, a brand new pilot as me. And we both, we had no experience in competition flying at all. It was our first for both of us and we tried our best and we did a quite good performance. But unfortunately, on the second day, there were an accident, uh, two pilots of the competition, they collided and one of them died. Yeah, well, very sad and tragic. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. But you continued to fly after that. Yes, of, um, I knew about the dangers of life, especially in competitions. You know, in the gaggle, we fly all very tight together. And, you know, you can't see any other glider around you. In the back, you have no sight in the back. And at that time, we hadn't have these flams. We just have to see the others, and therefore it was very dangerous at that time. Yes. But, well... I loved it. I still love it to fly, to have this feeling flying, um, and therefore I continued. Yes. Yeah, once you get that bug, it's kind of hard not to get in the cockpit and go fly, you know? Mm hmm. I know recently, um, I don't want to fast forward too much, but recently you just returned from a competition. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it was a world competition for uh, female glider pilots in Australia. Very, very good experience we had there. Mm -hmm. Lake Keep It, right? Lake Keep It, <laughs> near to Sydney. 
<laughs> near in Australian skills. <laughs> Not for Germans. Yeah, Australian's a big continent. Yeah. So can you tell me how that goes? You arrive now. The glider you flew, did you have to ship it or did you fly something there? What happened? Yeah, the, um, the organization for me and uh, started a year ago. Um, we checked out to ship our glider to Australia. And then we found out it's very, very expensive with the container and the shipping the glider from Europe to Australia. Other nations they did, but the Germans, we all decided uh, we don't bring our own gliders to Australia. And the other um, glider pilots, they hired the glider. And for me, it was a very lucky situation. Uh, a young Australian glider pilot last year looked for a glider of standard class, an LS8, to fly with um, the... Um, world competition, the junior world competition in Hungary. And we got in contact with each other. And so we, um, we swapped gliders. He got our LS8 for the championships in Hungary last year. And now I got his LS4 to fly with the world championships in Lake Kiprit and we spoke and cars and that was a very good idea and it worked out well oh very nice so you arrive and what happens do you have some practice days or what are you able to do before the actual competition yeah it was uh, over um, uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve and um, we arrived um, if I right remember on Christmas Eve in Sydney and spent three days there just to have a little bit vacation to see Sydney like a tourist was quite nice but then we continued our trip to Lake Kiprit and then we had one week before the competition started to train to have some um, flights before to get known with this area and the termites and with the glider of course because it was a glider I didn't know before and I uh, had to find out how it works. Uh, so obviously you're not used to flying that glider so you, you had to get used to it huh? Well I, I used to fly the LS1 and the LS8 and LS4 something between and so it wasn't so complicated. This is nearly the same. <laughs> I uh. felt very comfortable right with the first flight I had there. Mm -hmm. Oh great. How is the area there in Lake Keepit compared to flying in Germany? Well it's a different, it's really different because um, the next city for, uh, from Lake Keeper, this was Tamworth or Canada. It's about um, 30, 40 kilometers away. And here in Germany, we have one city after another and a little bit wood and um, paddocks and fields. But it's more urban in Europe than in Australia. Large areas, <laughs> nothing you see on the ground, just the paddocks, that's a barn. <laughs> Oh, wow, um, big, big yeah, difference. Big difference. And um, 
Even the termites are much more stronger than here. And well, this is what we really enjoy. Three, four, five meters per second in a thermal, then you're sitting in the plane and you're always smiling <laughs> and you're hearing these <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and you, yeah, that's so great. <laughs> oh, you gotta love to hear that. Yes, and and another thing is in Germany, Germany we don't use oxygen so often because we can't rise so high above the ground. There's an there's an air traffic zone and we can rise here about 3,200 meters above and then we have a ceiling. It's not allowed to go higher. Okay, yeah. And therefore, uh, in the regions I fly here, there's just flat areas, no mountains in the world. And so we don't need oxygen. <laughs> and there I had oxygen with me. And I took it the first time I flew in Lake Keeper, the training day. I reached the level about 3,800 meters um, sea level, above the sea level. And well, <laughs> was the greatest high ever I reached. Very nice. So how did your day start and how many hours were you in the air that first day of the competition? Well, um, I knew that this competition will be a competition with a lot of competition days we will fly because the weather conditions in Australia at that time, mostly good weather to fly. And I thought we will have uh, probably 10 to 12 uh, competition days. And so I prepared, I trained, I jogged before to be fit for that um, a lot competition days. And I think the routine is quite important to do all the day the same to avoid um, something what's working wrong to yeah to just to focus on the tasks it's important and so we got up my husband and me about um, seven had a little bit of coffee in the morning went to the airfield and um, pulled the glider into the grid yeah and then there came briefing as first the competition briefing and after the competition briefing we had a german briefing just as the german team and our team captain coached us for the main things we have to be aware to have a good performance at the day uh, air traffic weather etc how many are on your team? In club class, we were three, three in standard, and two in the 80-meter class, at eight together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, good, uh, big team, the Germans, always. <laughs> How'd the first day go? Oh, the first day, hmm, it's hard to remember after 10 competition days. Sometimes I didn't know afterward what <laughs> what was the first day, what was the second day. Oh, I just have right. to think about. <laughs> well, how did the competition itself go? Um, well, I have to tell you uh, first that actually 
I'm a competition pilot, fly with another female glider pilot. We're actually a team of two. And my friend, she had to stay at home because she's pregnant now in the moment. And she wasn't in the condition to fly a competition. And so the first, uh, this is, was the first time after few competitions we both flew together I flew by my own and this okay. was a um, complicated situation now for me I have to do that by my own because actually we uh, shared our skills she was um, the one she did the speed and I was the person specialized. If the weather conditions get a little bit bad, you have to be a little bit careful to find um, termites, a weaker termites. This actually was my part. And now I had to do that all by my own. And this was um, the difficult for me to fly so fast <laughs> and the other pilots they did <laughs> at the good weather days i was not the fastest but it's your first experience flying in the competition by yourself so that that was yeah i i, I flew some competitions before we met each other now about oh, 10 or 12 years ago and then we found each other because we both are flying in the same club in brandenburg and the last uh, competitions, we flew together as a uh, as a team. So going back after after all those years, going back to doing a competition by yourself, yes, yeah, kind of like a new experience. Yes, and um, well, I had to learn. Um, to go uh, faster and uh, the weather was quite different to the weather I used to have here in Germany. These strong tournaments, yeah. Um, between the strong tournaments you have um, these strong updrafts, not downdrafts, and sometimes you you fly with um, a, a sink, sinking, you sink with uh, five meters per second, yeah, and you have to fly very fast to these updrafting air mass, and then to find the the right, the good one, the next one to make you fast. So you're going through sink, but trying to get through it in a hurry so you can get back up into the lift. Mm-hmm. Because where there's lots of sink, there's lots of lift too. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. But well, it worked out better and better from day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess as as you went on in the competition, yeah, you started learning better and how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But flying in another part of the world, you know, I mean, you're in a competition, but having to learn as you go because you're not, you know, you obviously hadn't flown that area before. So yeah, that's you're trying to learn the area as you're also trying to stay competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one day I did the third of the a day, and this was not the day to be the fastest. This was an outlanding day because there was a bush fire near in the area where our task was, and so we had this um, haze in the air, we had a bad side and the termites uh, got weaker and weaker and so you have to to stay in the air with weaker termites and I did it very well this day 
and I flew with other pilots uh, as long as I I could do that, and I had to outland then. Oh, so you did land out? Yeah. Mm. How did that go? Um, <laughs> that's for, that was really exciting because I decided to land on a paddock and I saw uh, on the left and on the right hand side from the paddock lanes and farm and a farmhouse and so um, I decided well that's a good paddock I take it <laughs> and yeah, right. it was fine and then I uh, after landing I went to the farmhouse and shouting, everybody there, and I had no answer, and I thought, oh God, nobody is here, but after a few minutes, then um, a young man, where he, is, he was preparing a set, settle, a, a horse, yeah, he's doing something with a horse, and, and I, <laughs> I, I saw him, and then he was very kind, then I asked him to stay around till my husband will come with the trailer to regret the airplane. And he does that. He was very kind. And um, as my husband came, it was dark, <laughs> really dark. And then he was there with the car and the light on. And so we could see the glider and the trailer, and then we rigged the glider on the paddock. Well, I think that turned out pretty well for you, being that you're in, you know, an area that could have been very desolate and no one around. So that's nice that you found the the farmhouse yeah. there. Yeah, I was very lucky. All the time I took, for example, five liters of water with me just in case uh, for outlanding to have still some water there. But you, you couldn't be sure that you find a paddock with a farmhouse like I did. Uh, the possibility still existed that you have to outland in the middle of nowhere. No farms, maybe no um, phone connection, just in the dark. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, and on top of uh, it. Lucky, luckily, lucky for me, it didn't happen. <laughs> it was all fine. But that's, of course, you had to think about this and you had, you, you had to have prepared for this case. Yeah, absolutely. How far were the fires? I know there was there were some horrible fires going on down there. Yeah, but the horrible ones, um, fortunately, were uh, quite far away. But uh, in our um, competition area, there were a few fires also. Yeah, but still, uh, uh, always under controlled fires. But um, we had these um, these this haze and the bedside and sometimes we hardly could see the glider in front of us. Oh, wow. So you're still dealing with a lot of haze. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like a wild experience, but. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. But you got to see Australia and you got to do some flying down there, got to compete. So what a, what a cool experience. Most I will remember, I think, 
it's the extreme weather conditions. Um, in the afternoon, uh, sometimes the sea breeze came in and then we had very strong wind and the air was full of sand and you can't see anything. And this is was so difficult to um, decide to start the task, to fly over the starting line. If you know your um, distance, you have to fly. And you think, oh, maybe I fly this distance uh, 100 or 110 kilometers per hour. Then I will be back um, at the airfield about maybe 5 o'clock. And sometimes you have to decide to go early because uh, maybe the sea breeze came in and that would be very difficult to reach the airfield. You have then the, uh, the strong winds uh, from ahead and maybe the high you planned with to reach the airfield uh, won't be enough. <laughs> and to calculate this risk, uh, if you go first or if you go the latest, well, that was the difficult for this competition. And sometimes I decided to go first and that, then it wouldn't be good, a good, uh, good decision because other pilots, um, they started half an hour later and had uh, also very good conditions over the task and the, the sea breeze um, didn't come. And so they had no difficulties to reach the airfield and then then they were faster than me. <laughs> uh, just a gamble, right? A roll of the dice. Right, yeah. <laughs> so what are your plans for the future in, as far as soaring goes? Yeah, as I told you right to the beginning, um, actually I flew most of my time in club class. And club class is the, gla the class with you can't take any water with you. And I decided to practice now flying in standard class with water. This is what I haven't done before so often. And I think, and what I heard about it, you have to learn it. It's not so easy to change classes. If you are successful in one class, it doesn't mean you will be successful in the other class. And therefore, I will have my first competition in summer in standard class. Oh, okay. Where was that going to be? It's also near to Berlin. Um, I have, uh, I don't have to drive so a long way for this competition. It's called Lusso. <laughs> Maybe it's a, um, a noun in the world outside, outside Germany, because in Lusso, this, uh, the airfield Lusse, they had the world competition or oh, 2008, I don't know so, so exactly, 2008 or 2010, there was a world competition there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Flying and, of course, this year, the nationals for female glider pilot are also taking place this year. And to fly the world competition in female gliding in Germany, we have to fly first the nationals and then the, the, the best pilots, first, second and third, 
they get nominated to the world championships and of course i would try <laughs> to do my best to um, stay as a member of the national team here in germany and to get then the chance chance to uh, take part um on, at the next world gliding championship for females in great britain it will be 2021 well i wish you the best of luck with that yeah thank you so if you would have any advice to give pilots from everything you've learned along the way what would you say how could they be a better and safer pilot yeah how i mentioned before we know we all know that flying can be dangerous and risky of course Uh, also, all the gliders, they tell themselves, oh, driving a car on the highway, it's even more dangerous than gliding. But you have to know, you have to be trained all the time to think about safety. If you start in season with flying again, then you have to think about safety, all the rules, all the Are the checks you have to do first before you start with your gliders. You have to you have to have the knowledge about the flying and the air traffic and take your time to be prepared and stay uh, trained all the time. And therefore, that's I think it's a good thing to fly safe. That's some great advice. Absolutely. And keep those checklists right in front of you, right? So you don't forget anything when you're doing doing that before your flights. And checking that you have your routines. Routines, I think it's very important. Yeah, and flying checklists, routines, all doing uh, the same things. And then I hope, I hope it's for me and for my husband and all other pilots, if you have a situation, dangerous or risky situation, you have to uh, react very fast and you haven't have the time to think about what you're doing in that moment. I think then you have the chance to do the right thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great to have you. Great to hear about Australia and your experience there. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you, Ines, for sharing your story with us here on Soaring the Sky. Ines and I talked a bit after the show, and she wanted to add something very important for pilots, and that is staying hydrated while in the cockpit. As a young pilot, on one occasion, she did not drink enough water, landed on the wrong runway safely, but broke down and emergency needed to be called for her. So stay hydrated. Thank you for reaching out to us from all over the globe. We started this podcast journey. We had no idea the overwhelming support we would receive. We greatly appreciate you sharing the podcast with your fellow flyers at your local glider port and with your friends who are curious about the sport and want to know more. If you love the podcast and can take a minute or two out of your busy schedule, I know we're all busy, please leave us some feedback and subscribe. It greatly helps the podcast, and you won't miss any of the great episodes in the future. If you're new to the podcast, we have a large library now with over 50 episodes, 
and adding a new one each week. I'm super excited to see what the future brings for the podcast. And speaking of the future, some exciting things happening this month in Little Rock. It's the SSA Soaring Convention. You will find everything about soaring. For more information on what's happening there, you can check out ssa.org. And while you're online, if you want to get in touch with us and be part of the podcast community of Soaring the Sky on social media, Michelle will give you all that information next. So have an awesome week. Get some flying in when you can, whether it's in the cockpit or on the simulator. Happy Soaring. You can find us on social media. On Facebook, it's Soaring the Sky Podcast. On Instagram, it's the same, Soaring the Sky Podcast. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website, soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky.